Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, live from the Buggy Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson in sunny North Carolina. And our producer, William Jeffries in Hyderabad, India. Today we'll be talking about logging, the uses of it, what it is, and how to structure your log messages so that it makes sense when you're looking through your logs. How are you guys? How's it going? How's everything? Life is good. It's like 8 p.m. over here. I don't know what time it is over there. It is 10.30 a.m. in the Bronx. Wow. Yeah. That's so right. Same in North Carolina. Yeah, everything is fine. Not not as sunny as I imagine it is in North Carolina, though. That's all good. Do you guys want to just, let's jump right into uh, logging really quick. Logging is an important piece of functionality that exists. I run into it all the time, and I imagine the both of you and everyone listening as well. Let's talk about centralized versus distributed logs. Can someone define the two types of logs and why is centralized or distributed logs good? Or I mean, like maybe we could take a step back and just talk about logging in general. So, I mean, like the the basic form of logging that you might do in like a really simple system is just do like a print statement, just print mm-hmm. out to standard out. But a lot of programming languages have their own library specifically for logging, like log4j in Java, very similar to log4j. There's just a standard logging library in Python that you can just import and configure. And, you know, that's important for like productionalizing the print statement in a, in a better way. So you can actually like <laughs> have like rotation of the log file if it gets too big or configure if it's going to standard out or it's going to a file. And then, you know, if you're putting it to a file and you have a bunch of servers, then that kind of comes into the point where you're, you're thinking about like centralizing the logs versus distributing the logs. Like, do you want to have all these files in a bunch of different servers? So then when there's an issue, then you have to like go into each box and be like, did this one have a problem? Hmm. You know, grab, grab in the log okay not no, this one's good let me go to the other one i imagine that's more time consuming though right yeah, yeah exactly if you've horizontally scaled your app servers across 10 different machines and you start having errors it could be that one of the instances of your app server is down and the other nine are fine and so having to go ssh into each machine and check the logs locally is pretty painful Whereas mm. if you have a centralized logging tool like Elk or Splunk or what have you, then you can search all of them at once. Right. So like if the ninth box has an error, you don't have to search through each one and then find out on the ninth one that there's an issue. With having centralized logging, you can search and then see exactly which one had the error and then you know SSH into that box to figure out why that happened. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there are like two big use cases that I can think of for for logging. The first one is debugging, which is I think the main thing that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. where you want to know generally what your app is doing so that when it's not working properly, you can investigate why. And then the other one is as input for a monitoring system, where mm. you want to know how many orders are getting placed. Let me log every time an order happens, and then and search on that and see, oh, well, there were 100 log statements saying that an order happened in the past mm-hmm. hour, so there must have been 100 orders this past hour. 
Right. Yeah. When you're talking about like having like a specific message that says, okay, an order is placed, like that implies that you've like done the thought about like designing the message ahead of time so that you have a really reliable indication that if some order was created. So uh, like one, one thing I challenge I always find is like actually making sure that there is a good useful message there that like has some information that lets me know specifically what happened. Like say sometimes it's enough to just say the order was created or an order was created, but then you don't know which order was created, who created it. All those kinds of like meta detail information may not be in the message. So you might want to think about like what kind of things are important that you might need to think about when that order is created and when you're like looking for the, that information in the log. Right. And it's like, is there a better way to get the same information? Like placing orders is kind of a weird example because probably that's in your database and you could query your database and it would be way better than mm. querying your logs. Right. And that's really the, the system of record is like what data made it into the database because a log could totally lie to you. It could say like, it orders created, but you know it's actually being logged on the line before it's being persisted to the database. Now you may have had like a rollback or something that actually didn't didn't save into the database. Is there like logging design? Like when when thinking about logs, as you mentioned before, right? You want you can't just say an order was created. You could say something like an order was created for member ID, and then the, you know drop the member ID or created the order ID in the log. Is that, like, safe to do? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, things that have to do with your application state, like, the whole application, makes sense to log. Like, when your app boots or when it shuts down, like, those are important things to capture. And then more generically, anytime that you're making a database transaction, probably logging the SQL, both the query and the result, is sensible. And then you can also, from that, infer database transaction times, maybe just logging all of the HTTP requests that come through so you know when requests are being made and what responses are getting returned. Do some introspection Mm -hmm. on those packets to see latency, to see payload, to see status codes. Yeah, totally. I um, (laughs) I was just like curious about this. And so I I just pulled up an article love the title here it's uh called the 10 commandments of logging and oh this is like <laughs> number six in the list like thou shall log with context like getting <laughs> getting the information about the specific transaction or situation that's at hand instead of just saying you know this failed like what what specific thing failed and what was inside of it yeah that makes sense thou shall log with context that that's a good one yeah, I think like one thing you don't want in the logs, and I think this may have happened before in time, is just like logging plain text, like username or passwords when someone successfully logs in. It's not something that you really want in the logs because we shouldn't have that sensitive information printed out in plain text in a log somewhere. That's just weird. But I definitely have context when you're actually printing logs pretty much is a right. good good rule to follow. I think who, what, when, where, and result is a good rule. 
So mm. like the username, like whatever command was run, some kind of timestamp so that you can do a time series graph or just know if that was recent, like where, meaning what, what, what server it came from or what database or what page in your app. And, and then the result, meaning like, was there an exception that got thrown? Did it return a normal payload? If your payloads are a reasonable size, what was in the payload? I think if you're if you're turning really large payloads, that's probably not a thing you want to pollute your logs with unless you are willing to pay a lot of money for log storage. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Which like yeah, is is kind of an internal issue. I was I was working on an application where, you know, we at one point we we were confused because our deployment started failing and we noticed that the reason why the deployments were failing was because we didn't have any room for the Docker images. And when we looked into why we didn't have room for the Docker images, it was because we just had all of the uh, logs on some, you know, random directory on the server. Like whenever it was set up, you know, years before any of us were there and all of the logs forever (laughs) had been stored there. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Enter log rotation. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Very important tool, periodically deleting old logs. Yeah, exactly. How long do you store logs for? Like, what what would, what would be the standard? How rich are you? <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen, like, magnitudes where they're kept for months or years? Because, like, if you think about, I think, like, the Board of Education is required to hold your transcript, your high school transcript, forever. <laughs> which is like really crazy. That's it's like, uh, yeah, that's really crazy. So like imagine, and that's like physical, like space. Do you guys know how long logs are usually kept? Or before you have to be insane Can you give me a copy of your high school transcript, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I feel like that kind of makes sense because that's like the final artifact. That's like, that's the record that's written to the database or, or what have you, like the, the final transcript. Whereas like the log messages of your education is, is like, you know, all of the homework and notebooks and, you know, finger paintings that you did in art class. Like if the, if the department of education was responsible for hanging on to all of those messages, yeah. in addition to the final product, right. That would be like a pretty ridiculous burden. I've gone through like boxes of that stuff myself, like from yeah. college and whatever. <laughs> finally thrown all that away because it didn't mean anything to me anymore like i, w- I was looking at my notes and I, I just literally couldn't understand the math that was in them <laughs> which i think is is a good metaphor for the logging situation too because like with a log message there's there's a time and a place that you know the log message has the most value and will be really helpful in helping you understand what the outcome of the system was, what the behavior of the system was at that time. Right. And those logs need to constantly be rotating and in a space where the context of time exists. So like, for example, you may have had, you know, those boxes of stuff from a long, long time ago. It didn't make any sense, but you know, a month after those things were created, it would have made more sense to keep around. Right. I would go through that and like try and understand like, you know, what errors I had, like what questions I got wrong on homework or a right. quiz in order to like fix the bugs in my brain and like, <laughs> get a better grade on the test. I think that like what I've seen is 
startups that don't really have any compliance and don't really have a lot of money will keep logs for however long they can keep them locally without paying any extra money. And that's kind of one extreme. And then the other extreme would be like in the banking industry where people are super paranoid about regulation and they just keep everything for seven years because there's some yeah. law somewhere <laughs> about that yeah. being the most ridiculous amount of time someone would, could require you to keep a thing and they're just right. really paranoid. And then most yeah. people are probably somewhere in between. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. But I, I guess like when you're configuring like your production system, which is probably the place where you're you're most concerned with log retention, like you probably don't mm-hmm. really care too much about like your any of your test environments uh, to the same degree. I think for most people, it's very unlikely you would need more than one year's worth of logs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. right. Because there could be like that there is a persistent issue that you didn't realize happened in production. Maybe like there's some data corruption. That was happening slowly over time. Like maybe you would want to generate some kind of special report after mm. like over the course of a full year, see like how your application performed over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. But unless you have some real external requirement placed on you for storage, then it's unlikely that you would ever need to look back further than that. I mean, if you have a production issue that you need to debug, Probably it's happening right now, <laughs> or yeah. it just you just fixed it, and you're yeah. like, "Wow, how do I make sure that never happens again?" And then once it's fixed, then you the the logs will exist in time, and hopefully you don't have that error happen again. So I, I guess that has people have people ever died from too much logging? Like, is is there a cap into into the amount of logs you actually write? Like, are you going to write? every single entry that's happening in your application like what's a good right. um, or when does it become noise i guess is like the question i mean like one one thing that you may want to consider is what level you're bucketing the messages into so if there is like something that's kind of more noisy you could bucket that into it like a debug level log instead of like a, a higher level log like info or like a an warning error and then in production you can disable that and just have that for developers locally my thinking is like by default everyone should be logging any kind of exceptions that get thrown and not caught any sql transactions any http transactions and any application default activities like if you're running a django app or or a spring app or whatever there's going to be some stuff that the framework itself provides all of that you should capture automatically. And then any any logging that requires actually instrumenting your code, I would recommend waiting until you need it. And then when you're like, mm. oh man, I think I could have debugged this production issue better if I had this particular log, then you go back and add the log. Because when you mm-hmm. get right. into this like guessing game where it's like, ah, you know, this would probably be a useful thing to know, then that's kind of a dangerous path where you can sort of quickly end up with a lot of log statements in your code and then a lot of output in your log files that just, that's just noise. Yeah. Sounds like you're talking about YAGME. (laughs) (laughs) A favorite favorite acronym on this podcast. Oh yeah. (laughs) Just for life, really, you know, in general, there's a lot of things I'm not going to need. So why am I trying to get it? (laughs) But yeah, that, that totally makes sense. If you put off until later, you know, writing more robust log statements, then you'll you'll have a better idea about, you know, what kind of things 
maybe important or relevant to to log in those situations. Although that being said, also like you you don't want to go completely in the other direction and not log anything at all because when there is an issue, you won't have anything to go on at all. So I, I like the idea of starting with like the boundaries of the system, like you were saying with the the database writes and HTTP requests and things like that. Like what what's going on? Yeah, and then if there's something in particular that you want to be able to monitor. Like if you want to be able to graph something that happens, like, I don't know, if you want to know how often people are abandoning carts, you could have Mm -hmm. a log that shows anytime anybody gets far enough in your application to create a cart, really to to add something to a cart, and then also log anytime anybody purchases all the items in the cart. And then you could sort of do a diff between those two and see how many carts are getting abandoned and then graph that. That could be a, a useful metric if you want to drive if you want to drive that down and have fewer abandoned carts yeah although then like you you may also consider like what other tools are available for something like that like is that something that's more appropriate for like something more analytics driven like google analytics where you can have goals and stages and see what your conversion rates are like maybe Maybe a log isn't the the right tool for that kind of job. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Google Analytics is kind of a really comprehensive client-side logging tool that's already designed to instrument whatever metrics you might want. And there there are other tools, too, that you might consider for logging more application-level metrics and numbers, like like StatsD uh, or Datadog or Prometheus, where you can like collect specific timing metrics and things like that in a more discreet and meaningful way. Does anybody have any favorite logging tools? I recently used the Sumo Logic. That one is pretty fun. You could just like search what host you expect these errors to be and you can use regular expression to find like certain messages and it was it's pretty standard logging system but that's the one i'm using right now yeah i've i've used splunk before and it's it's pretty powerful in splunk that you can use like key value pairs right like to find things yeah you can like actually parse out values from the log and filter on on those those things even in the message itself you could like parse it out and pull out more information that might be relevant to you pretty cool but you do you do have to be like pretty intentional about like how you design your log messages to begin with in order to get that good use I think out of it Splunk is my favorite logging tool if someone else is paying for it <laughs> <laughs> is it really expensive oh my god yeah Oh, man. <laughs> it seems like Elk and Splunk are the two big players, and which one you pick depends on how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Right. And what what's Elk again? That's Elasticsearch. Logstash and Kibana. Mm. So it's like all different pieces that kind of work together to make your logs more usable. I think they're calling it the Elastic Stack now because they added file beats to it. They added beats and like there are a whole bunch of extra products that that company has created that sort of integrate okay. with that stack, and it yeah. kind of ruined the acronym. <laughs> Elk, Elkabuddaba. 
all those tools sound like they do. They're able to search through and send uh, like a centralized entry for the logs in order to find any errors or information that you want from your logs, like much, much faster than SSHing into and doing a grep. And like, that seems like a lot, a ton of more work. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also like doing some basic graphing and maybe even some monitoring. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.